This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we increase our cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, whoa, you never watched In the Mood for Love? Or, you seriously haven't seen Titanic? Or, how have you not seen The Squid and the Whale? Welcome back to How Have You Not Seen. I am your co-host, Carson Betts. And I am your other co-host, Caroline Thompson. This is a movie podcast uh, where every week, one of us brings one of our favorite movies the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. And then we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. Uh, it's going to be a good time, Caroline. All right, let's get into it. I have a feeling it. this isn't going to be a good time. Uh, I, I, You know... I could be wrong. I have not seen this movie. Look, I could be wrong. Look, um... Parts of it will. Parts of it will be a good time. Okay. This one, yeah, you know. Okay, so, you know, I'll, I'll say it. This is um much like how, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you listen to our previous episodes, kind of like how we're doing the Before Trilogy over the course of a couple of seasons. This is uh, the beginning of a, a two-episode multi-season arc that I have planned uh, because I think it's a fun way to watch these movies. We're watching The Squid and the Whale this week, obviously. You saw the title. You just heard us say it. Uh, and then next season, we're going to do Marriage Story because I feel like that is Noah Baumbach's weird sequel to this movie. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. Let's get to the question. How have you not seen Squid and the Whale, Caroline? I mean, honestly, I just have to kind of like show my ass here a little yeah. bit and just kind of say that like, I am not like super well-versed in Noah Baumbach stuff. Yeah, um, not, a, not a Baumbach gal. It's it's not even that I I don't like him. It's just I really not really spent the time. Um, yeah, I mean, and so like I, you know, I don't want to seem like a, like a, like an ignorant rube here, but I mean, I had not even heard of this film until, yeah, you threw it out for this show because yeah. obviously I know of Marriage Story. Obviously, um, we did Francis Ha like forever ago on this yeah. show, so like I've seen it, but like because of you, and mm-hmm. you know, it was right after Greta Gerwig's Little Women came out. We were all, yeah. we were all on a Greta kick, and um, St- we were. I mean, we were. still are on a Greta kick, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so you know, there's obviously like um some of his films that he's worked on um that like you know, are out there and that people know, but like, I'm just not super well-versed in him. So when like, obviously marriage story, uh, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it was the Netflix original that got all the Oscar buzz. And I don't think it actually won anything. Right. But it like, uh, let me look, let me but look. yeah, it was like, you know, that was the whole thing is it was like, you've got, um, you've got Adam driver, uh, fucking Scarlett Johansson, mm. our gal, Laura Dern. Mm. And it was that whole thing where like that movie like came out and exploded and all that stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I know Bombach. That's a name that I know. And then when we were throwing out movies for this season, you're like, have you seen Squid and the Whale? And I'm like, Carson, what is that? <laughs> and you're like, it's Noah Bombach's like earlier film that is also about marriage that, um, yeah. Oh my God. So we're, we, I think we both showed her ass because I completely forgot that fucking, Dern won 
the supporting actress. Did award. she really? She did. Good she for did. Her. She won the Oscar. It got you a know, ton of nominations. Got Best Picture, Original Screenplay, was, Actor and last... Actress for Driver and Johansson, and then she won. Yeah. Okay. That was the last um, Oscars I've actually watched live because, like, yeah. last year's Oscars like weren't hardly anything. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like, I remember that night was one of the the last pre-COVID things that I did because that would have been end of February, and then the world shut down in March, and. Uh, by the time they would have gone to Laura Dern's win, I was pretty significantly inebriated. Yeah, yeah. I planned a whole, Oscar. it was very fun. I planned a whole Oscars party and I like, you know, we did the ballots and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and I was keeping track and we got about halfway through the night and I was like, guys, I am way too drunk to like keep a tally <laughs> of like, I am way too drunk to go through this massive spreadsheet and like tally up who is getting these things right. Mm-hmm. As I like to say frequently on this show and in life, Parasite winning best picture was the the blast good thing that ever happened in the world. <laughs> yes. Was the and since then it's been all downhill. All right. Well, next question. I, I feel like, you know, you're not really gonna say much, but what do you know about Squid and the Whale? Anything? I mean, Other than like what I've said? I know that it is like 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 you said, kind yeah. of a pre a a marriage story, a it story is. about <laughs> a marriage. In, in um, a manner of speaking, yes. No, fuck. I mean very purposefully because I I knew we were doing it I very purposefully have kind of avoided things about it so I assume it's written and directed by Noah Baumbach yes yes um otherwise I really think that's it I would assume that I would assume that the squid and the whale is a metaphor for something yeah, yeah. I imagine you know the 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 giant squid fighting the whale. You know, like I'll give you, the, I'll the give you faring image. Yes, I'll give you a spoiler and say that this is one of those movies where they say the title of the movie in the movie. Good. I mean, yeah. I kind of figured. I yeah, kind of yeah. figured. Yeah, it's with, not, a, with it's, a title like that and being about the subject matter. It's not licorice pizza. It's not a a title that just refers to something metaphorically. All right. Well. Let's get into our game for the week. Caroline, you know, look, we've already talked about her. We're doing Six Degrees of Laura Dern. We already, we've invoked her name, so it it must needs be done. And I'll say, I'm sorry, but when I was preparing this game last night, I was immediately like, oh, boop, boop, boop. So I think I may have, I think already, you got you got a tough one to beat. I'm sorry. I've done That's very okay. good this week. That's so okay. for those of you all at home that don't know Six Degrees of Laura Dern, you can figure it out. It's fucking Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but we're going back to our, our girl, Laura Dern. Since I had time to think about this before the episode, I've got a bit of a handicap. I got to go basically from the person in the movie that I named to another person in that movie to give myself an extra step, uh, which I've already done. Uh, and Caroline, today's actor that you're going to try to get to Laura Dern from is Jeff Daniels. Great. So I am going to look at the cast of the squid and the whale because I currently don't know anyone. That's sure. Fair so. enough. Some good folks in there. Oh yeah. Oh, Anna Paquin's here. That's great. News. Oh yeah. That's great oh, yeah. news. Oh yeah. Okay. Always good news when Anna Paquin shows. Up. All right. Um, I saw this, this film and then Margaret, like within a week of each other, like two years ago. And I was like, damn, Anna Paquin. Oh, what shit. happened to her? What happened to her? Um, <laughs> let me think. I've, I've got a really, really, I've got a promising lead that I'm just trying to think because there's no way that this can't easily get to Dern. Um, 
I have not quite had enough coffee for this, um, to think this hard this early in the morning. Um, hmm. I just feel like you're gonna, I just feel like you're absolutely gonna beat me unless I get it super quick. So I'm trying to find yeah, something. Like a real. Yeah, I'm trying to just think of something really, really quick. And I have like two or three really promising. And I'm just trying to think if I can, just how to bridge them. Yeah. <gasps> got it, got it. She's got, got it. it, she's got it. Um. No, I don't. No, I don't. Ah! I blatantly lied to you. I went, I went myself in a little circle and I lied. Um, you confused Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels once again. Once again, yes. Once um, again. Okay. Okay, I got it. Don't and it's pretty quick. Again. It's pretty quick. All right. Um, and this is just me. I had to switch the actor I was going with okay. um, or like starting with. And uh, also, I don't think this is very little known fact, mm. or maybe not, just because I haven't seen this movie in a while, but he would have been very young. But Jesse Eisenberg is in M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Daniels is in The Squid and the Whale with Jesse Eisenberg. Correct. He was in The Village with Joaquin Phoenix, who's in The Master with Laura Dern. Damn, that's pretty good. That's pretty fucking good. Wait, what's mine? I think we might. I think we might have tied. I actually started the same way. Jeff Daniels is in this movie with uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg is uh, in uh, Social Network with Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield is in Ninety Nine Homes with Laura Dern. <laughs> One of my favorite movies to invoke on in this game. Oh God! Wow. Well, Damn. all right. It was tight. That was a good one. All right. Thank you. Good. All right. Well, want to go watch it? Let's. Let's, I, let's, let's go it. watch it. Let's do it. They. It's. I. I forgot to tell you, Caroline. This is an animated movie where Jeff Daniels plays an animated squid. That's not true. I know that's no, not it's true. not true. It's not true. That was a lie. All right. Let's go watch the movie. We're back. Yes, we are. We are back um, from New York City. Uh, Caroline. Yes. What, okay, let's get in. What would you think? Quick, uh, quick thoughts. Um, I have no idea how to attack this thing. Oh, okay. I truly have no idea how it's interesting. To, but um, I really, this is one of those movies that I, it's, it's impossible to say I enjoyed that because okay. it is such a, a, a emotionally difficult experience to get yes. through. But like, I really liked it as a movie that I have mm. seen. Okay. I did not enjoy very many of the minutes I spent watching it because it is okay. upsetting. Okay. But I liked it. You know what I mean? That is, yeah. No, I, it, it's weird because I, I hear you say that. I'm like, yes, that makes hundred percent like total and complete sense um i will just say i had the opposite experience i think on my second watch which was one i the second time i watched this i was like oh man i like this movie a lot and also the second time i watched it, i was like man this movie's a lot of fun 
<laughs> yeah. No, I mean, look, I, I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I like the movie. I just don't enjoy it. It's yeah. like, I, I, yeah. I say that like I, the one, the movie that comes to mind is Requiem for a Dream. You know what I mean? Ooh. It's just one of the most, not, 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 not yeah. compared I, to this I, movie, yes. but like in terms of like what this phenomenon is, is it's like, well, I would never say that I enjoy watching it. Like that fucking sucks, but it is a great movie and what it is going for and what it's doing is is wonderful and it's very good it's just i did not enjoy watching this film because i just in in my mind i like ass to ass is like oh god (laughs) I'm, i'm like i'm staring at the like i'm staring at the black pit that lives in the center of the human soul and in this like jesse eisenberg playing hey you and nobody knows that he's just stolen it like uh, it, it's it's very cringeworthy it is as the kids say some some real cringe uh, yes but it also kind of it like makes me laugh on the inside at just kind of the grand like horrible cringy spectacle of it oh definitely we talked about this i don't even know on what episode yeah. but like um we talked about this when we were talking about something about how like i laugh at like very awkward audacity a yes. lot of times in movies yes. so like like a horror like in a horror movie I'll be watching a horror movie and something just like horrifically grotesque will happen and I'll start laughing mm-hmm. and like nine times out of ten it's my partner because that's who I like watch the most movies with but yeah. just like whoever I'm watching it with will like look at me and just be like why the yeah. fuck are you? I'm like I'm like no 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 I, it's not that I think that this is funny it's like it's yeah. not that I think that like what is happening is like comically funny it's just like I am laughing at the absurd audacity that a writer would like have that observation about mm-hmm. the human, like about the human experience and write it down and make actors do it. Like that is so much of this movie. I, yes. the, oh God, I mean, hmm. I, I am thinking, my question is like, how do we even attack this thing? Like from what angle do you go at for it? Um, Cause it does feel really like even more. And you know, I think, I, I think I might have alluded to it in the first half of this. I want this to be kind of a weird spiritual sequel podcast when we eventually get around to yes. the marriage story. Yes. Because they're Bombach's two most personal films, very much about his life, like his parents' divorce and then his own. Um, but even more than marriage stories to me personally, this thing is so kind of singular in its vision. Like it, the the kind of the kind of culture, the sort of parents he has, the sort of life that this kid is living seems it's one of those things where to me it seems very universal because it's hyper specific. Yes. Like, like nobody has a dad like fucking Jeff Daniels in this movie. Like it's such a specific kind of dad, but also he is such a perfect stand-in for the sort of shittiness that exists in so many of our fathers, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and that's just the whole movie. Like everything is so hyper specific. There's so many like just plot turns in this thing that I've never really seen in a movie of this uh of this type before but they play is pretty universal i think for the most part yes and i think a way and i don't know if this will work because i don't really because we haven't talked about your opinions of the film yet because this is us talking about the film but like i will say a thing that like i watched this like two nights ago i think because you know we were going to record this a day or two ago and we had some technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. So, so we bumped back. So I've had a couple days, a couple more days than I normally do to like chew on this. And I was talking about it afterwards and just trying to like put some thoughts together. And I think one of the things that I crystallized, like, as I was just trying to like 
figure this thing out was I think a really good thing that this movie does and it's like both kind of obvious but like also very important to the way that the movie works is um so much of so much of this film is like obviously from all four of the characters all four of the main characters like about resentment you know yes yeah yeah and it's very important that all of the things they resent each other for happen off screen before the film even begins because like I think this is probably safe to say. I think Jeff Daniels' character is objectively the shittiest person in the movie. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that's Terrible fair man. to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're all shitty, but he's real exactly, shitty. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And with that comes the thing of, like, he is definitely super shitty in this movie, and he is definitely the person that I can point to of being, like, the worst. Mm-hmm. That said... I don't know what this man was like five years ago. Yeah. I truly don't. Mm. And like, he might've been exactly this. He might have not been like, and it, and like, that's the whole point of like, we talk about this all the time. Whenever there's ambiguity in, in film, the, yeah. the point is that it does not matter. Yeah, It's yeah. like where we are right now, he is experiencing this thing and he is this shitty because of it. And like, yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing too with like, you know, I mean, with, with, with all of them, um, Jesse Eisenberg and the mom, um, the little kid too, but like, that's kind of a pole other thing. He's got his own thing going on. <laughs> I think I know his own thing going on, but like, but that's the thing is it's like Jesse Eisenberg talks about how, like, how much he like misses his mom because she was always the one that was there for him. And like, that's not really the case anymore. And like, mm. when his dad wasn't around, like his mom was the one who was there. And now that his mom is less attached to him and they do things less together and he spends more time and gravitates towards his dad. Like he kind of resents her for that. And it's like, objectively you are like, you're like the way you are acting in this film is objectively you are being a shithead. Yeah. But you are an actual child Mm -hmm. who does not know how to navigate this world. Yep. And like, whether your mom actually made some kind of shift in the way she relates to you, the way she interacts with you, the way that she does whatever, what we are seeing is there is a kid who was very close with his mother. And as he grew up, whether his mom did something, whether the world, you know, the world very much like, especially mm-hmm. in America as teenagers, like force, like, you know, uh, drives you away from your parents on purpose, you know what I mean? He feels lost and he hates his mom now because of that. And he is acting out because he doesn't feel like he has a mother. And it's like, it's like, I don't know if any of this is actually true. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is it doesn't matter. It's like, if we trust far enough that like the characters believe these things that are acting thusly, then like that makes this movie very interesting. And I think it's very important to kind of what this movie is getting at in that it is kind of just this kind of like very I don't want to say heightened because heightened sounds like melodramatic and over the top very like kind of askew like artistic like kind of like almost impressionist like portrait of pain that Mm -hmm. it is yeah and like it is important to that that the impetus for all of this pain 
is not actually known to the audience Mm -hmm. and that it is very important to the way that this film operates in that like this character believes this is the truth and because they are hurt because this is what they at least believe themselves to be living with this is how they act and that's really great yeah and that and that that sort of effect the the lack of foreknowledge that you talk about i think just having so much of that and having so many of these scenes in which the two parents talk about things that happened between them in their past really it elucidates this thing about i mean childhood but i think specifically kind of adolescence and young adulthood where you're starting to grapple with the fact that your parents are people and you're starting to grapple with the fact that, you know, or that your parents were two people who used to either still are or were in a relationship with each other. And the feeling like, I don't know, the the image that it always conjures up for me is it's like, you're this explorer in this long lost ancient city and you keep fucking like, you bring up your torch and you look at a thing and you see it and you go like, holy shit, I've been walking by, or maybe a better one is like an old manor at the edge of town and you've been walking by this ancient manor every day and then you finally go in there and you bring your flashlight up and you see stuff and you go wow I've been walking by this every day I never thought that this stuff was in here and it's it's old and it's broken but it's real and the fact that it's real and it's not just some weird fantasy I came up with is like kind of freaking me out right now it's a very dramatic metaphor I like it though but I, I like I it think, though but that's that's the thing and it's, it's like when you're a kid I I mean, I'll I'll make this somewhat personal. I think I can describe maybe one of the ways where this movie hits me very particularly. Caroline knows this, but the audience doesn't. Like, I'm a bastard child. My parents were never, (laughs) I mean, they were together, but they were never married. They kind of, you know, stopped being together when I was pretty young. Um, And then I was, you know, shared custody for all of my life, but I was primarily with my mom. I was raised, I always say I was raised by a single mother and I saw my dad a lot. But like, when you're a kid, especially when you're a kid of parents that are apart and if they fight or they have an issue, it feels like there are two like fucking kaiju sized monsters, like going at each other in your yes. face. Like they, like your parents are such a major part of your mental reality. They have been such a major part of your life that when they have a problem with each other, it feels like the world is falling apart. And like, when they have, when they try to communicate, you know, with you saying something about the other one and you hear the same story from two different perspectives and then it's kind of up to you to be like, okay, well, there's a truth to that and it's probably somewhere in the middle, but how much do I, you know, of what parts of that truth do I believe from the one parent? What parts of that truth do I believe from the other parent? And this movie just keeps playing that over, like playing that game of, it starts with the, with Jeff Daniels or, um, I think it starts with Laura Linney being like the moving the books because she knows that he's going to take the books. Yes. That's the first kind of like passive aggressive, like there's a divorce happening. Yes. These aren't your mother's books. These are my books. I bought these books. And it's like, there's like you said, Caroline, there's never, it doesn't really matter whose books they are. It's just, it's about the fact that they're fighting about the books and it's kind of up to you as an audience member to live in that ambiguity and like, you know, it maybe says a little bit about more about you and the way you're acting the movie, who you think actually bought the books. Right. Well, yeah. and like, and like beyond that too, like with relationships too, it's mm-hmm. like, it's also like who purchased the books, but like also like who are the books purchased for? Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause that's yeah. always a thing that happens in relationships too. Is it's just like, is it's just like you live together and like, 
hey, you said you wanted a thing. And so I bought the thing that is now in the house that I purchased because you wanted it. And so it's just like, whose is that? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, and it's like, and it doesn't matter. Like that's the thing is like, yeah. in, in terms of like how far this movie goes, like it doesn't matter. It, it never says like, it it doesn't say what the books even are. It's just that they are books, and which like, yeah. yeah, sure, they're like lit people, but like, yeah. So on the one hand, it's like, yeah, I'm sure that there is a lot of like emotional like significance and importance to books, but on the other hand, it's like, in a house full of books, do these like eight books really matter like what's so special about these books yeah. and like I think that a, a a very smart thing about the film is it does give you that ambiguity which does like imply like it doesn't fucking matter like the yeah. thing is is that it's like it's like we don't know why they want the we don't know why both of these people want these books we don't know why like they both feel like they have claim to the books it's just like there's about eight books in this house that they are going to argue over because when you are in a situation like this you're going to argue over like literally everything yeah and it and it's the and the books are important because in this movie like so much like, of their identity is based is, on is what based they read, in, what they write. Yeah, like, in literature, in cultural yeah. reference, in identity, in, you know, their identity is so so firmly, especially Daniel's. I mean, that's his whole fucking shit. Is that his identity is based upon the things that he's consumed, which, like, I mean, that is, again, I've never, Daniel's is doing such a specific performance and the writing is so specific. I've not, like, really, I think, encountered a character that is quite doing the exact thing that he's like his function in this movie like that kind of guy like he's playing such a specific color and texture of toxic masculinity that you don't yes. usually get like you know I think the kind of stereotype for a, a toxically masculine dad is like emotionally repressed jock dude bro exactly exactly you know, like and and he is not doing that he's doing it yeah totally and it's like and it's like it's it's he he has shades of narcissism in there, but he's not playing like a full blown narcissist. And he is like a lot of shades of egomaniac in there, but it's not full blown like egomania. It's just like this, mm -hmm. like, I am the most important thing in the world. Yeah. And like people liking me is very important, but also like me just like being the smartest person in the room is very important, but also like, I also am kind of pathetic. And yeah. it is this thing of like, I don't know. It is. You're right. It's very specific. It, it's so specific that like you get exactly what he's going for pretty much by minute like eight. But at the same time, like it's very hard to like put lab like specific labels on it because like it's like it feels like that. Like those were the two words I was going back and forth with, with like narcissist and like egomaniac. And I was like, those are both in the ballpark. But like, yeah, it's not like neither of those like encapsulates everything he's doing and what he's doing doesn't check all the boxes for either of those. Yeah, because once again, it comes down to, I mean, I think you, obviously, I'm sure you noticed it the first time, but especially second time, you really, I think you noticed two things about Jeff Daniels, which is one, just like his little mantras, his little things he says over and over and over again. It's the filet of whatever. It's the filet of whatever. Yeah, like all that shit. And then- Two, the thing I noticed a lot this time, which I think really ties into what we were talking about before, which is like, you really start to wonder when he talks about the past, when he talks about his career, his life with, you know, with Eisenberg's mom before. I mean, so much of it is is clearly obviously him showboating and him being a maniac, but also you do, I think, start to question, at least I did, how much of this is actually him 
doing a real representation of what he was like and what his feelings were like at the time and how much of this is he is now a broken man in his in his middle ages and he's trying to kind of instill a sort of toxic confidence in his son that he never had you know definitely because like there's all these i mean especially i mean the way he talks about women is hugely this but like I just keep thinking about, I mean, it's really anytime he talks about his mother, like in the past is like, I think about him going like, oh, I was at a party and I had a chance to sleep, you know, with several beautiful women. Why didn't you? Well, your mother was there. And I was like, man, if you were as much of an asshole as you seem to be right now, would that have stopped you? Right. Like, or, or is it this just that you've always been a little bit pathetic and now you kind of, you know, you're you're pathetic and you were toxic enough back then. You're like, man, I wish I was enough of a cool big asshole that I could cheat on my girlfriend. And now as a, as a pathetic middle-aged man, you're resenting your former self. And so you're, you know, showboating to your son because he's the one person that gives a shit enough to listen to you. No, like, definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, it, yeah. And I don't know. And I mean, uh, what a wild, what a wild time. I mean, yeah, there, there is a moment. And, and, and I think too, that like the only moment of like actual humanity, which is like, I think it's really good that it's like, he gives you one, yeah. he gives you one when he's like, it was fucking torture. Yeah. And it's just like, like, like that torture, moment Joan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that moment happened. And I was just like, whoa. Yeah. I was like, I was like, hold up. I yeah. was like, I was like, are we like, like, I was like, I was like, uh, it's like okay like firmly into act two territory now like mm. let's go like this is the turning point and it's like no and then everything just goes yep. back and i'm just like i'm just like that's it is just that 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 thing of ambiguity is so important to this movie yeah and and, and, and just that idea that like it's not even to it's not even to say that like oh well like okay, now that we've seen this like moment of like wound, this moment of hurt, this moment of like mm-hmm. vulnerability from him that like clearly the rest of the movie is clearly an act, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's just, like, I don't know if like all of the movie is a, like all of him for the rest of the movie is a front because this is what he's really feeling all the time mm-hmm. or like if that's how he actually is, but like he can be prodded there. The thing is, is it doesn't matter. It's just knowing yeah. that like, he is not always 100% of the time just a full-blown fucking, like, psycho. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. For lack of a better term. Like, the fact that there is even even a shred of humanity in there. Yeah. Whether it, it's something that rarely rears its head or something he's desperately trying to hide. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Because, and I mean, clearly we're talking about enough. This movie is more, as much as it's about four characters, it is more focused on Eisenberg and... Daniels than it is the other two yes it's 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 Bombach processing his relationship with his father clearly like that is I mean if you if you google Noah Bombach and you look at his father's Wikipedia page and you go oh yeah that's Jeff Daniels like that's the character in the movie like he wrote he wrote a book and it was kind of successful and and no publisher would touch him for a long time and then he you know divorced his mom and all that stuff but like but what was I trying to say there I lost my train of thought a little bit but but like I mean, this movie just does have so much empathy for these four characters. It is for so all four willing. of them, yeah. Yeah, like it has, it is so willing to drag them through the mud to like really d- demonstrate the 
the utterly bizarre ways in which they totally demean themselves and do just crazy shithead things. But you you understand, like these are these are one two adults who obviously Daniels is way more of a monster than Linny is, but like two right. adults who are in a terrible situation, and really you can't expect anyone to act like a perfect angel in that situation. No, and then of course, the, yeah, and and the children are kind of they're children, like they're you grew up in this like they're still figuring stuff out right and like to your point is it's just like i don't think the movie is interested in like really vilifying any of them and i don't think it's really interested in like making any of them like the good one quote unquote Mm -hmm. because it's like even like with even with like laura linney's character it's like it is that thing where it is it is not like so when when the dad first says like oh well did you know like she cheated on me like blah 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 I thought because like you know that was minute like 15 maybe and it was just that thing of like like this guy fucking sucks like he's probably just saying this like get under his kid's skin was like no it's fucking true and she's like oh yeah like we weren't supposed to tell you guys that but yeah like for like several years there I was cheating on your dad and it's like and it's like look like all of that shit is so messy. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like cheating on your spouse. Like, I'll go on record. I'll, I'll go on record. I'll say bad. cheating on your spouse, generally speaking, pretty bad. Like, yeah, yeah, probably shouldn't do it. But it is that thing of just like, clearly, if you feel the need to cheat on your spouse and it's like the thing that like you do and like you're ashamed of for like societal reasons, but you're not ashamed of doing it because like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like she's like, yeah. no, I needed it. And like, it's still yeah. pretty much like, it's still pretty clear that she feels that way. It's just like, okay, like that's fine. And it's just that thing of like, again, it is all in the past. And it's yeah. like, yeah. the film doesn't shy away from the fact that like, no, Laura Lenny cheated on him. Yeah. Like she cheated on him for like several years. And like the movie doesn't make the case, like the movie doesn't make the case that like, but that's okay because Mm-hmm. And the film doesn't make the case that like, and so therefore Jeff Daniels. Sorry, I have a bit of cold. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I remember. Um, the film also doesn't make the case that like, well, and therefore Jeff Daniels' behavior is like so warranted because he's like yeah. the spurned lover who's like, yeah, whose yeah. wife cheated on him for several years. It's just like, these are two people, one of whom cheated on the other for several years, and they are both in like pretty dire straits emotionally because of it. And uh, roll camera. Yeah, yeah, let it go. And it's the, I mean, look, it's the best, I think, ongoing bit in the movie to me personally. Basically, every time William Baldwin says my brother, it makes Oh my me God, it, every single line ends with brother or my brother. And my brother, yeah. But it's, I, I it, to that point, the moment in which, like, one, Jeff Daniels learns that she's actively dating him, and then when he sees her with him. And it is, you do feel this weird bit of empathy for Daniels, who has been a shithead the whole time, where you're like, yeah, if my ex-wife was dating that guy, I'd be a little like, what the fuck? <laughs> that guy? Yeah, but also, it's like, oh. okay, and the thing the thing that I do love about this movie, a thing yeah. that I just have to commend it for, is, like, she starts dating him, and they're together for the whole movie. Yeah, but and he's it's good never, for her. That's the, uh, the other like, thing. Because, like, you know, it's that thing of, like, okay, she's, like, this lit professor, and she's mm-hmm. she was married to, like, a lit professor, and therefore, like, and now she's dating, like, this rec center, like, like yeah. this rec center tennis coach guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
you know, like clearly this is, it's going to be a whole plot point where it's like, I don't even like him. I'm just dating him to like get under your skin or like, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But and it's like, no, no. like the no. entire movie, like, like they never have, at least as far as the film is concerned, they never have a fucking problem. Like there yeah. was never a problem between Joan and Billy, uh, and, and Billy like, Baldwin. I forget what his, uh, don't tell me, uh, Ivan. Between Ivan, Joan yeah, and Ivan, there's never like a, a conflict between the two of them. It's just like she then just dates a weird tennis coach guy who's like kind of a weird like hippie sports dude. Yeah, and like you don't need there, Laura Linney never needs to have like a grand monologue about like, well, your father was like this, and Ivan, he's he's different. But like, you get like just from the texture of it, you understand. Oh yeah, I mean, Ivan is about as far away from from Bernard as you can get. Right, so like, like, like here is this, here is this like, like emotionally withdrawn, cold, hyper intellectual, mm-hmm. like man mm-hmm. uh, in Bernard. And then like, here you have Ivan, who's just like a dude who's just like, he's literally just a dude being a bro. You know, mm-hmm. he's just a guy who just a guy likes to play out. tennis and is pretty mm-hmm. nice and doesn't seem to really have any kind of, uh, any kind of, uh, you know, uh, a or like game going on. Like they, it doesn't seem like he's playing any game or like compensating for anything. He's just a dude who likes to play tennis and apparently thinks Joan is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, it also leads to, I, I think my favorite single joke in the movie too, which is the, well, Ivan's a Philistine. What's a Philistine? Someone who doesn't, someone who doesn't think about things, who doesn't like fine culture. Yeah, he doesn't like good films or books or books. And then and then he just goes, Well, dad, then I'm a Philistine. He goes, No, you're not. <laughs> you're not a Philistine. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he's just he gets more like assured with his dad. Yeah, no, I am. Like hundred percent I am. Yeah. Dad, will you just see me for the person I am? I'm a Philistine. Uh it's yeah, it, it is, it's just it's a mess, but it's a funny mess. It's a good time. I I mean, uh you know, just it's it is. I, I mean, it, it's such a movie of parts. Like, it's all these subplots. I mean, all the stuff with Anna, Anna Paquin's so good. What is she? Yeah. When I first watched this movie, I watched this, and then I watched Margaret, like, back to back. And I'm like, man, put her in everything. Where'd yeah. she go? Where'd yeah, she go? I need to see Margaret. Wink, wink. Oh, oh, we should do Margaret. Put it on a fucking spreadsheet. Oh, it's on the spreadsheet. Okay, put it on a spreadsheet right. or I'm going to watch it like very soon. Yeah, no, but, don't um, do that. Don't do that. But no, I mean, I agree. I mean, I've, I mean, Anna Paquin uh, was a, was a, was a very young early crush for, for me. That makes um, sense. That makes sense. Well, I mean, X-Men. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. I literally, I have blonde like two blonde streaks in my hair right now yes because yes. i was going to i was going to uh fucking like put color under my hair and so i bleached like a few streaks of it and then like you know that took a minute and so like i was like oh i'll just i'll just put the color in tomorrow and uh i went about like the rest of the like the next day and i was like i kind of mm. look like rogue like rogue a little bit though i, like, I kind of like that huh? i'm gonna keep that for a while like we'll see and like that was like two months ago something like that so yeah um Anna Paquin should be in more stuff I uh I don't know why she's not in more and like that's the thing that is the thing about just like especially like women in Hollywood is like I have heard rumor mills and gossip 
Mills say like she's very difficult to work with but like mm-hmm. is she or is mean? she just a woman <laughs> like yeah yeah exactly so like, what do, what does that mean and so regardless um Anna Paquin put her in more things she has a a slight cameo in Scream 4 which is fun wow uh good for Scream 4 good for yeah Scream 4. I liked it's, it I I am kind of especially the second time on the rewatch I was like kind of amazed at her how I think in lesser hands that role would be kind of insufferable like what a like sexist trope that character could have been oh definitely but she does play her with like a weird amount of integrity just you know like right well she plays her like a fucking person like like she plays her like like she doesn't play her as like a weird dumb idiot bimbo like horny Mm. sex pot she literally just plays her as like a kid who like she likes to write she's smart she's got a good head on her shoulders but she's also 20 and has a crush on her professor and it's like it's not a weird like you know it's not a weird uh like because I don't know there's there's so many performances like that where it's like okay I am playing this young woman and you know, we, we, we've all been through the theater here mm. on this show, you know, oh, like yes. we, you, like oh, as, yes. as actors, like, you know, you talk about like, what is my objective? Like, what's my super objective? Like what, it, like, what does my character want? And so many, so frequently, I think the distinction here is so frequently actors play roles like this is like, oh, okay. I see. So my character is here to check notes, ruin Jeff Daniels is like, yes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like that is what, like, that is what my character, that is not my character's, uh, role in the story that is what my character actively is seeking yeah she's and here to I think Anna Paquin, in a trap of lust and I think Anna Paquin just kind of like digs into like like what does this character want uh to like finish college and have a roof over her head and maybe like maybe fuck her professor I don't I guess you know what yeah. I mean and like and like it's a thing I think we talked about I think it's the thing we talked about recently. Uh, yeah, when we were talking about In the Mood for Love, you were talking about like specificity mm-hmm. um, in acting and stuff. And it's like playing a character who's like kind of like ambitions and goals and stuff like that. Um, that could be really nebulous, but I don't think she's playing it nebulously at all. I think she is like, yeah. very specifically playing it like, look, this kind of just needs to be like another day for this character. Like, mm. This doesn't need to be like a thing where like, well, my goal is to like infiltrate his home and like ruin his family for like my personal gain. It's just like, it's like, okay, what does this character want? Oh, she's a checks notes, normal human girl who wants to not be kicked out of her apartment yeah. and also has a crush on a guy. Okay, yeah, I can, I know what that is. I can play that. Yeah. She's like a person who is like, like 20% smarter than the average person of her cohort and like 20% more sexually adventurous than the average person of her cohort. And like, and exactly. Go, like those, exactly. Two, you know, and like, yeah, she, like just, she, she's just like, she understands that like, this is not a movie in which her, the character that she is playing is like, you know, is the protagonist, you know, she, she understands that it's just like, you can be a real person and not make the gravity of the situation you're in Titanic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to make not to Not smart. to be, not to, yeah. not to reference last week's episode, no, no, no. <laughs> Titanic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing to do with the boat or the James Cameron film, but like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be this like big, massive thing. It could just be like, oh yeah, like I, 
Have I been a young woman who wants to not be on the streets? Yes, I have. What is that like? I can play that. Yeah, like, and I'm going to make you watch Margaret so hard. It, it's actually a weirdly good double feature. For the Anna Paquin of it all, it's a weirdly good double feature with this movie. It's also like a five-hour long double feature, but... Yes, yes, uh, yes. Well, because this movie was so short. I was pleasantly yeah, surprised. That's the thing. This movie is, oh, it's a, a blissful, like, 90 minutes, barely. Like, just under, I think. It's like 85. Um, which, yeah, yeah, I believe know, it. I, I believe it is 80. I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. Love it's, that. It's, it's breezy. Absolutely love that. Okay, um, what do you, have we ever talked about Jesse Eisenberg? What do you think about Jesse Eisenberg? Um, I think Jesse Eisenberg is a man. I think that's how he identifies. Yeah, correct. And that is, that, that's it's the long and the short of, the of it. Yeah. yeah, like I think that Jesse Eisenberg is, um, no, I mean, like, I think he is good. Like he is obviously very good. Uh, he's great in this. He's great in this. He's obviously yeah. good in the social network, yeah. um, which is like, I don't know. I think he gives Zuck too much credit. Um, but I also think that that movie was made 10 years ago before, like, I don't know. See, that movie is only aged better and better to me that movie ages like a fine fucking wine no i'm not saying it doesn't i'm just saying yeah. that like even even i i think i think he plays zuck is uh way more of a human than zuck ever has been yeah. but um uh like i don't know i mean like i liked zombie land um yeah. i mean all right this is this is this podcast this is you and me we gotta talk yeah, to Lex Luthor of it I all know. That's, that's it's i know that's what i was thinking of i thought it would be really weird if she's like we gotta talk the rio to it all we gotta yes, get it yes no and i mean it's like look like yeah. i have I, I i do not like jared leto i dislike mm-hmm. jared leto i think mm-hmm. he is he is bad he is stupid at best he is tolerable he has since uh fallen off my oscar bracket the last time or uh Oscar bracket, uh, Oscar ballot. Since the last time he was brought up, um, I've seen some more of the Oscar films and like he has no longer in the running for my nominee for 2021 Sporting Actor. Mm. Um, but like, we t- I talk about this on like several of our Patreon episodes and just like, whatever. It's just like, people are like, Jared Leto ruined the fucking Joker. And it's like, yeah. okay, sure, fine, whatever. But it's like, when that's what you're being asked to play when you're being asked to play that role like that it's like there's no winning in the first place and could jared leto have made it better than it was in the movie yeah Yeah. could he have ever made that good i don't think so and that's kind of how i feel too about jesse eisenberg playing playing lex luther as if like he plays lex luther like if tom haverford not aziz ansari but if Tom, Tom Haverford. Haverford were playing Jesse Eisenberg playing Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's like, if, like, that is what he is being asked to do. And I think Jesse is doing a fine job of that. But it's like, I will not lay the failures of that role at the feet of Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, but I, it is a I, really weird fucking thing that I hate. See, I kind of do. I think he's titanically awful in that in that movie. I mean, wait, how many times have you seen that movie? BVS? Yeah. Probably like four. I don't know. Okay, too many right. times. No, no, At same, least same, three no. too many times. No, I was, I was, for a second, I thought you were going to be like, no, I only saw it one time. Because I'm like, every time I see that movie, look, I, I think I've seen it three times. 
seen it two and a half times because the last time I watched it, me and one of my best friends, uh, we, cause he had not seen it. I was like, all right, we're going to do it. And I rented it the ultimate edition. And what happened was every 10 minutes, he'd be like, pause it. And then I'd pause it. And he'd look at me with this face. That's just like, what did I just watch? And I'd be like, ah, man, I don't know. And then, you know, so I don't think we ever finished it that night, but like, Every time I see that movie, I am like, dude, I, I grow like less and less into Jesse Eisenberg just as a, as like a person. As a human I'm, being outside yeah, of that film. I'm just yeah. like, oh, but like, it's so bad. I and mean, like, it's just like, look, every, not well everything written. about that movie is titanically awful. Yeah. So like, I, you know, it's just like, whatever, like. I'm not going to say it's not Jesse's fault, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say Jesse Eisenberg ruined Lex Luthor because a lot of, a lot of other people made a lot of decisions before they even rolled camera on his first scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, uh, well, but then also the opposite side of it. I, I think he is, I think he's really good in this movie. I think he's really yes, good. Yes. I think he's great. And he's really, really good. Like I, and it, he has, it, it is the thing that I think puts a lot of people off of him that works so well in this is his sort of it's the reason he's really good in social network too is he has this like real manic intensity about him yes, but the, yes but like a really quiet manic intensity like you know it's not so often actors who are sort of hyperactive and sort of all over the place often it becomes really loud and really aggressive and really over the top and in almost a Jared Leto-esque way and yes Eisenberg is always understated he's always low down which is i think one of the reasons why lex luther also is bad because he tries to get too big with it no i agree well and it's a thing that like i think a thing he does very well in this movie kind of to speak to what i think you're hitting at is a lot of actors would play something similar as okay this person is like has all of this like bubbling percolating rage like under the surface Mm -hmm. like i need to show that by like constantly accidentally quote unquote, like accidentally yeah. letting that slip out. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I have to constantly have like these like like seconds of outburst, like seconds of like where I lose control. Like that's what's gonna show it. Yeah. Where like I think I think the uh the better choice and the choice that Jesse Eisenberg is making is like if I am always on the brink of mm-hmm. breaking, but I never do, people will just like that will show way more how just like intense this actually is than if I than if every five minutes I like accidentally let it out you know yeah. it's like the thing of like and and I don't know that I I I actually like wholly believe this but when you were in school mm-hmm. um I think it I think it is a it is very good as an idea I don't know if I actually like wholeheartedly believe this but we had an acting teacher and one of the things that they said was um it's not interesting watching somebody cry. It's interesting watching somebody fighting crying. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, I think that, like, in in some contexts, in some degrees, like that is true. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a scene will always be more impactful if like somebody is feeling something and like despite it, they like trudge on. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's always the case, but like yeah. I think that 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 principle is applicable to this. Where if Jesse Eisenberg was having that mania break out every other word and he was like he was like you know and he made a big showy deal of how much i'm trying to like keep composed but mm-hmm. i keep failing oh no yeah as opposed to just showing us like i am fighting every second of 
the day. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's also just more teenage-esque. But I mean, yeah, of I mean, course. The, yeah, the crying thing is like, I don't know. This is just acting talk. But I've I the wisdom of that, I think, is that it's fighting crying, whether that's literally the thing you're doing or whether that's just kind of the metaphor you're using to stand in for whatever. Right, right. It's right. like right. it's it's about it's about having a more actionable choice. It's about no, making of course, a choice. Of course. Because like in life, nobody's objective is ever, and now I will cry. No, exactly. And exactly. what I'm going to do is cry now. Like, exactly. you know, like, which is, and it's, hey man, I've, I've, I've been there. I'm a, I'm a young actor. I've had my fair share of performances, which I'm just trying to be angry, but you know, so like, yeah, but that's, but yeah, Eisenberg understands that in this role. Yeah. It's, it's really, and it's why the ending to me is so hit so hard is because there is really something in his face. You can see when he's actually looking at that diorama of the squid and the whale that represent that demonstrates some kind of release that has actually come to find some calm because that's what the ending of this movie is that is the metaphor of him looking at the squid and the whale from the outside is being able to say no i'm not you know it's not that he's i'm going to emancipate myself from my parents i'm going to whatever but it's i'm going to actively choose to not identify myself as a person with the fights that my parents are having i'm going to step outside of that and recognize that i can watch it but I'm not it, you know? Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. <sighs> it's a good one. It's a good it's one. Good, it's like a very good one. It's I very always, good one. man, I, when he, when he, he leaves that hospital, it, it gets me going. It yeah, me yeah, going. no, it's very good. It's very good. And, it's and going. it's, and it's great too, because like, obviously like the significance of the squid and the whale is mm-hmm. like, is like, it symbolizes this thing that like he remembers like with his relationship with his mother. And it's very nice that, um, again, this is just like a theme recently. Like we kind of talked about this with, um, with Palm Springs a little bit where it's Mm -hmm. like, it's really nice that like kind of the resolution of this film is not him being like oh no I've been such a dick to my mom this whole time like I need to make up with her Mm -hmm. like and then like that's what will fix it is like if I like start building a bridge back to my mom and like if she accepts me then like yay thing good thing finished Mm -hmm. thing done but more of just like oh my god I've been such a dick to my mom because I like harbored this resentment towards her like I need to acknowledge that and I need to kind of like try to find out what that means. And like mm-hmm. that, that yeah. idea of him just being like, you know, I'm going to go and just kind of like relive and reminisce and like understand some of that past I have with her. And like, for me, like for me, like from his perspective, like for me, yeah, Jesse yeah. Eisenberg, like yeah. for me, uh, Walt, I believe his character's name was mm-hmm. um, like, that is the beginning of the end for me. And it is not about getting forgiveness from another person, which is always great and good and awesome, but it's like, it's less, it's less like, oh, if I want to make this right, the other person has to forgive me. And like, if I want to grow and like make things better moving forward, like I need to kind of reflect and kind of change how I have been doing things. Yeah, yeah. To quote, um, to quote a a beautiful mind of our time, Kat Valdez, <laughs> if you want something different, you got to do something different. 
Oh, if you want something different, you got to do something different. That's what oh. they say, Kari said. Yeah, That's I what know they say. It is. It's what they say, like, th- well, just the two times, I think. This is this has officially become a, a plug for our Patreon episode last month, is what it would have come out. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. If you want something different, you got to do something different. You know, if you sit there. If you sit with a question long enough, the answer will come to you. Which 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 relates to the squid and the whale because <laughs> the the therapist says like what's a good memory you have from childhood it could be anything and he says I don't have any I don't want to talk about it and he says well just think and then the he sits with the question and the answer that comes to him is the squid and the whale story yeah is I need to oh god okay let's look <laughs> Caroline what else we can't we can't talk about marry me we can't do it. Ah, okay. Okay, back to divorce talk. Back to divorce talk. <laughs> All right. Um, I love this movie. I, I do too. It. I, it's I loved it more the second time. I, I think I like boosted my letterbox rating by like a full star. Um, I mean, do, is there anything else you want to, any last thoughts on Squid and the Whale? Um, no, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's great. Um, no. I, yeah. A beautiful yeah. little thing. It's, I, I just, the, I do think a lot about the shot of his brother, just like shirtless drinking the beer on the phone. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a real vibe. That's yeah. a real mood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, poor kid. What are you doing? Drinking a beer? When did you start drinking beer? Like, yeah. Stop it. Like you're being weird. It. Like wait, what? You're being what? weird. Ah, uh, it's not that he's like that is wrong. It is morally bad for a child to drink beer. It's like the fact that you are so calm and casual about the fact that you, as a ten-year-old, have started taking up drinking is really weird. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's it's a good film. It's a good film. It's a All great right. film. Yes. Oh man. All right. Well, ah, uh, there's nothing else. Uh, Producer Corey, would you like to tell the fine folks at home? Uh, if they enjoyed this episode where they can find out a little bit more about the show. Absolutely. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Uh, Please also leave us a review uh, that would really help out the visibility of the show. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash HHYNS podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxd at HHYNS pod. And a special thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, if you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to Patreon, uh, our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod. We have multiple levels, all with their own perks, ranging from $1 to $25 a month. As I said, if you're interested in hearing more, please visit patreon.com slash pod. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Corey. And um, Carson. Mm. So I know that technically... Uh, last week we had both seen Titanic. Yes. That said, um, like I, I kind of selected Titanic because like I, I was the one who was kind of like going back and forth with Nicole and she said Titanic and Titanic was Mm -hmm. the one that I I brought to the group, but we had both seen it. So next week is officially my first one of the season Uh that I am making you watch. And do you want to know what it is? Please. I'd love to. We are watching the fucking classic. I am so excited to talk this movie with you. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to rewatch this one. We will be watching. Uh, uh, okay. We'll be watching the James L. Brooks film, 
starring Albert Brooks, Holly Hunter, and William Hurt. Wow. Broadcast news. Wow. I love that. That's a very exciting. Next week, you will hear me yell about this, but Carson, how the hell have you not seen broadcast <laughs> news? I don't know. I don't even know. Oh. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see you next time, folks. Oh. Yeah, we will see you next week when we talk broadcast news. Yeah. Hell yeah. Where's my cursor? There it is. Okay. Okay. <laughs>